Enter New R Presents. Happy Hour at the Old Timer Tavern, Episode 30, Planning for 6th Edition. This episode was recorded live at twitch.tv slash lanternnoir. And there we go. We're back again. It is Tuesday, uh, and as is usually nine times of ten the case, uh, we're meeting up at the at the Old Timer Tavern to talk Dungeons and Dragons and all points between. Uh, my name is Rob, aka Lantern Noir, um, and I'm considering currently considering a rebrand strictly into Rob Noir, uh, <laughs> just because I it, it's weird having people call me Lantern. Mm. Like I really want I... to like get that moniker off of there, and, wow. and I don't know how to do it yet. Yeah, I, uh, it'll be hard for me. I, you know. Yeah, it's. I'm thinking on it, and so that's that's where I'm at. Um, and with me, the the amazing, the the absolutely awesome, Graybeard of Graybeard's Tavern. Uh, whoo, we missed a week, and so I'm I'm rusty. You shake the cobwebs out a little bit, as one does. So, I mean, it's been two weeks. Anything major, major we want to get out of the way before we get rolling today? Uh, I I worked real hard. I, I work's <laughs> been work's been dumb. Like I I'm I may be getting carpal tunneling, uh, kind of harsh. So so yeah. So no, I I canceled. I canceled pretty much everything except my game with my daughter and my Sunday morning show, uh, Wilder Miss which is an amazing amazing game and now we've got a bunch of the we've got a bunch of the people who are like tavern regulars they are they are the characters in the game and the game is is overarching and so like now some of the characters have have like uh progeny like we have a father son combo wandering yeah 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 because there's like there's like sometimes it's like nine years of peace you know, and stuff, and then some things that you do and things that happen will give you, uh, will give you, um, yep, plus 10 years until you have to retire. So characters age, and it's really cute because the artwork's all like suddenly you get little gray bits, you know, in the, in the, you know, uh, uh, in the, in the hair. As and happens. Stuff. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know anything about that. Uh. <laughs> And so, so yeah, uh, yeah, very cute, really, really amazing game. The magic is so good. It's, it's so good. Um, you infuse with items in the terrain and the things that are around, and then you can cast different spells depending on what you've infused with. And, um, so like, you know, there's a big hunk of rock and you infuse with the rock and then you can use it to create like a, a big discus. You basically throw a big disc of rock at the enemies or you infuse with a fire and you lash out oh. with fire and stuff. So it's it's what's around you, you know, the uh, there's a tree. And so you can either make like splinters, splinter bark and shoot bits of bark at them or you can make the roots and stuff grab them and pin them in place it's uh it's very very cool yeah it sounds it i will uh it sounds really spot on yeah so i I will be adding some of those thoughts now to D D. I i uh you know 
in in my future games. I can, yeah, definitely. I can see that. And there's a lot of like, that's a big part of what we do with gaming is, is we look at the games that we have out there. And we're like, I can I can use that. I can pull that in and make something interesting and fun, um, and not necessarily terribly different, but different enough that there's that slight edge of homebrew to the world mm-hmm. to keep people guessing and to keep it fresh. Because I do yeah. think one of the things D&D can suffer from is that I've read all the books. I know all the monster blocks. I know how to fight everything. Oh, look, a troll. Everyone go get a torch. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so forth. So there's some room to kind of say, oh, no, no, this is this is not your garden variety of troll. <laughs> this, this thing's different. You don't, you don't know how to beat it. That's uh, I I have done that. For instance, in mine, I, I in my homebrew world, trolls are one of those creatures that they take on the properties of the environment they live in. So, like mountain trolls, become very scaly and hard to you know they don't they uh they basically become stone skinned, you know, or river trolls become slimy and you can't like you can't start them on fire and stuff because they're they're part of the river now and stuff. So that's yeah, good. so that's good yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. It's it's well it all started in in <laughs> my friend painted up some Warhammer models back in the day and he painted some like river trolls and some like mountain trolls like he he put on the bases like water and slime and and stuff so i was like yeah why not have trolls be like that and also it came from uh the shinara i think it was the shinara series elstones of shinara book series the trolls Mm. there were mountain trolls so they were all like made of stone and lumpy and they lived only in mountains you know um so you know it's all good gotta have some fun with trolls (laughs) <laughs> absolutely well i think that i think when we talk about things we want to take going like diving right down the topic for the week mm-hmm. things we want to pull from other rpgs or other sources mm-hmm. that we've seen over the years that we would like to see them consider and bring into sixth edition dungeons and dragons which we know from the cycle of editions is not far out yeah we know it's actually pretty close I mean, it's been what six years? Uh, yeah, five or six years. Well, we know that they're they're done. They've got all the base rule books out. Yep. So now they're now they're just publishing uh, source adventures and whatnot. So they're they're in the home stretch. Yeah. At this point. Yep. So yeah, that's. Uh, I used to always say, "How do you how do you sell more?" How do you sell more books, <laughs> gaming books? Break the rules of the, <laughs> the previous books. <laughs> Battletech, for one, was a really bad one about that. Oh, God. Well, and that's, <laughs> and that's the thing, too, is I remember, the, I mean, I remember Battletech really suffering from the power creep mm-hmm. because you, you had to have the latest, greatest book because if someone brought a battle mech out of that book, the balance was broken. Right. And they they didn't do a good job explaining that. (laughs) No. The clan wars. Ooh, they just came from somewhere else and they have new technology. (laughs) Oh well. Yeah, I mean there's there's a lot to be be tweaked there Mm -hmm. uh, to make those work. Um, so before we get like before we get into our wish list, let's let's set some ground rules. All right. What are some ground rules? Um, as long as I can have my changeling, I'm happy. Okay, Dante, that's that is your truth. (laughs) 
I, I will not argue that with you. Um, and yeah. played since four or four or five. Yep. Change. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, what are like the base ground rules for what makes like what do we have to keep slash not change? Yeah. So to still be D and D. So one of my biggest complaints uh, has always been the level system. Leveling and classes seem to be two no goes. Those will always be D and D. You have to have levels, and you have to have classes. And that seems to be a, 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 the bar, a, the minimum bar for D&D. So, okay. All right, um, I can see that. And I, I'm, I'm open for other things in D&D, but, uh, but like I said, those two seem to be the two that are, that are in all five editions. Yeah, the levels and the classes, I think... I think even looking at other RPGs, I kind of like the 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 class system works as opposed to archetype. Because even the archetype, you get into the, well, if you want to be decent at being a uh, hired gun, this is what you kind of should be taking. If you yeah. want to be competent as a decker... This is kind of what, and at a certain point, it, it creates the illusion of choice. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I can be any kind of decker I want. Well, yeah, but to be good at it, here's kind of, here are the abilities you should be looking at, and here's how you should probably be trying to build your character. Um, so you, you end up with that kind of a, a class system, even when you don't mean to. Right. And there aren't a lot of heavy mechanic RPGs that I can think of that don't have classes of some kind. Well, there's, they're not heavyweights is the thing is because most people, most people are used to video games and, or, you know, D and D. And so those two, it's, I level up, I become more powerful. Ha ha ha. Um, a lot of the outer games, the indie games, and, and even the, what used to be big games have, have some that are skill-based systems like mm -hmm. completely skill-based and so that's sort of another route to go but now if um, you get into the skill like i'm thinking shadow run mm -hmm. if you get into those systems that are that are skill-based how much choice do they really have when you think about how you're going to play your character and what your part in the team is going to be versus well my job on the team is to be the face man Mm -hmm. so I need these skills. Right. And I need to put my karma into these skills. And maybe I have some side things I put some points in. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what I mean. Is like, is it really that, would it be that radical if Shadowrun X Edition said, yeah. okay, here are the character classes. Yeah. You're a Decker, you're a Face Man, you're a Samurai, you're a Hired Gun. Well, and that's what I've always said about about Shadowrun is is is, is it it see it it says it's a, a a you know a skill based system, but it really you can't have magic unless you have the right stuff to have magic. You know, you're you're beginning, and this is going to sound weird to anybody who's never played uh, Shadowrun, but your A through E's choices are really good <laughs> yeah they're gonna they're really gonna you know make some of those uh things 
very viable. Like, for instance, if you're going to be a wizard, you are not going to take uh, uh, your, um, what's it called? Oh, your money. You're not oh, going to yeah. take your, yeah, that is not, that is not going to be your A slot. It's not going to be funds, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where if you're the face character, you could be like, why, of course I own an island. Um, <laughs> you know, Put it I'm on Bruce my Wayne. tab. <laughs> yes, I'm Bruce Wayne. I'll just buy this hotel. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. The other thing I think that is, is we cannot touch and still be D&D are the six stats. Mm. I think that's also in that sacrosanct uh, in every edition since Blue Book. Yep. You've had your three base stats. You've had your your three physical, your three mental. Yep. You've had your you basically your brawn, your flexibility, and your staying power. I've always been and, like the three. Uh, and then your, your intelligence, your book smarts, your... Yeah world smarts and how charming you are well, no comeliness popped in there for a bit during second, second and then yep. was hucked right out the, <laughs> well and they right they the had window. they had that as a stat they also tried the split stats mm. where you had strength was broken into two stats and dex was into two stats and uh because they, they tried to separate that you might be mm. uh wise but not critical, I think it was, or something like like wisdom was was broken down, or intelligence was like the speed at which your brain works, yeah, versus how well you really do advanced thinking. Hmm. So like, yeah, you can get an answer really quick, but it might not be the the best answer that someone <laughs> that's highly intelligent who had just more time for. Right, right. Um, and I could hmm. see them maybe creeping that back in as an as an option. Yeah, but I don't see us ever getting away from the six base stats. Yeah, um, I also don't think hit points or armor class are going to go away. Yeah, yep, that's true. That's true. My my biggest disappointment with five uh, e was that they upped the hit points of monsters. I was I was very excited when I was like, I'm a barbarian. I'm first level. I got like. 12 or 13, you know, 15 hit points, maybe, you know, starting off the bat and my axe, I'm going to be doing, you know, like, you know, an average of nine or 10 points around. And I hit the first goblin and I did 12 points to the first goblin and the DM was like, okay, check. And I went wait, time, 15 yard penalty. Wait, wait whoa. I did 12 points. How is like, he I'm, not dead? Yeah, how is not like him and three of his buddies all dead? You know, it just it it weirded me out and freaked me out. I I really thought that they were going to try to speed combat up by making you know monster hit points lower, and then having like BBGEs like because they had minions in fourth, and right. so I thought in fifth they'd have, you know, it'd be a little more down and dirty. I'd like to see the return of minions. I think Minions was a really, like, there's nothing stopping me from using Minions in my games, mm -hmm. except for the fact that I, there's not as many area of effect abilities mm. like there used to be. I mean, 4th edition had a lot of abilities where it was, blam, you take out everything around you, or you yeah. take out uh, X number of Minions equal to your dex modifier. Uh, and it was it was geared around the idea that for certain parts of the fight you were like epic action hero mm -hmm. 
carving a path. He jumped to himself. Was a whirlwind of doom. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that that is going to require them go back and like relook at some of the feats and powers mm-hmm. to facilitate taking out hordes of minions because minions can do a lot of damage. Yeah. If the, you don't manage them. In first edition, fighters and only fighters could make uh, attacks equal to their level uh, in hit dice. So if there was, you know, a bunch of kobolds who were half hit dice creatures, you you could do, you know, eight hmm. attacks if you, you know, if you were a fighter. Um, yeah, that was that was some ancient goodness. Wow. That, you know, yeah. So you could, you know, you're a tenth level warrior and you wade into goblins and you're, <laughs> they're all, you know. It also seems so. really, and that that reminds me of Thacko, mm. one of those uh, holdovers from the. Um, tabletop miniatures days mm-hmm. where we like we like duh, we like the mm. chunky like hang on hang on uh, grab some scrap paper let's figure this out let's do it uh, kinds of moments where you're thinking about all the different things you got to get on the table calculation wise mm-hmm. um, that they've moved away from and I think I think I don't want to see Thacko come back <laughs> no me either I'm, I'm just, Me either. I don't think we need that number. No, this was a. Uh, it was that was one of the best bits of three was armor plus ten. That's your AC. Go. Um. So, um, yeah. Uh, I I noticed neither one of us said it, and a lot of of arguments have been made over the last few years for alignment. And I'm I'm under the you know I I enjoy alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a a good role play thing. You know that you should it should go over into your biffs. You know it should be over there, and it should be something that you get extra experience points or extra uh, advantages for or something. It should should go that over over there. I think okay. So here's my take on that. If they're going to continue to use alignment as a thing within the rules, mm-hmm. like this affects good creatures, mm-hmm. this weapon can only be used by lawful creatures. That I think they need to codify it fully as mm. a spectrum, where every character sheet has a little grid on it. That's a ten by ten graph. Yeah, and you put a dot on it. <laughs> and you move your dot. Your dot moves. Because I also think that alignment, I, I, I love this from Matt Colville, uh, alignment is descriptive, not prescriptive. Yeah. So it's, this is about where I land. Yeah. Um, and maybe you land other places because, and we just don't know it yet because you haven't been challenged in a way that reveals you might not be as lawful as you think you are. Right. Plus people change over time. I mean, mm-hmm. I know... Most people get more lawful as they get older. Hmm. Uh, generally speaking, the more stuff you get, hmm. the more you like to have rules to help you keep your stuff. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. Yes. I, I agree. I'm just saying. Uh-huh. I'm just nope, saying. The, I the, the, so agree. The, the, the people who are most like, Robin Hood's got it, are the people who don't have a lot for... When you shift into the, crap, Robin Hood would be coming after me. 
I, I am no longer the recipient side of Rob from the Rich and Give to the Poor. It's like, I'm, I'm not chaotic good anymore, man. Um, okay, Very so good. Dante pitches, if you're chaotic, you get a buff to, say, a bluff check. I don't know if I would go that far, but I just think let's get alignment off of these hard and fast lawful characters do X, neutral characters do Y, chaotic characters do Z, and get on to a it's a split like like gender it's on a spectrum you know there's e extremities so yeah. like your your lawful good paladin who's going to be up at like five five is different than your typical citizen who generally i think falls around one one mm. Mm. i think people generally are lawful good people mm. on average you're joe average yeah. He has his chaotic moments, so he's not way up in the corner, mm. but he's he likes his rules. Yeah. There's there, there's a duffel bag full of money sitting in my yard with no identification. Now, see, that mm. that's the moment. Now, a lawful person could still keep it. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> you know, but that's, I mean, that's that... Like, I like it. I also think I would love to see them do this in a DM's guide or in a player's options guide. Yeah. Is a nature and demeanor mechanic. Yeah. And uh, for those not familiar, in Vampire the Masquerade and all um, White Wolf games from the 90s, your character had a nature. That is, like, what drove them to be. And there was, like, a list of them, and source books came out with more of them. And, and the idea was this was like who they were at their core. And then they had their demeanor, which was taken from the same list, but it's how they presented themselves. Right. And you got bonus, you got willpower points that you could turn into instant successes and yeah. power your superpowers mm -hmm. by consistently <laughs> making choices within those. Yeah. I don't know if I would go so far as to say we need to get to that level of codification. Yeah. Maybe you get you can hold up to four points of inspiration. Right. And then you get fed inspiration based on choices that, that, ben that, that are detrimental to the party, but are within your nature demeanor. Right, right, right. Something I, to do. Yeah, that. I, I, I really think that it would probably be, yeah, I, I, like I said, I would slot them in kind of in the, the, the Biff's area that you can get, you know, by role-playing these things, you get advantage or, or whatever, you know. Um, and I think, too, like you're saying, there should be a spectrum so that those can change. So, like, so like the DM can say, okay, I, I'm just going to say, I feel that this is an evil act you're about to commit. And I, if you do this, I do want you to change your alignment or you are going to be perceived as this alignment, you know. Um, Nature versus demeanor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, exactly. Dante also brings up the idea that Vampire the Masquerade um, storytelling systems tend not to have classes. Yep. I give or take. I mm. think that within, even within the storytelling games, you yeah. still had very popular archetypes. And the right. minute you get your archetype, you've got your class. Yeah. Um, again, 
that it, it it's all about the mechanics that then go with that is what I would say. You know, I mean, you know, you can call yourself Napoleon, you know, all you want, but Napoleon in a cage fight is not a fighter. You know, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's just that, that, that kind of, that kind of thing, you know, I, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's when the mechanics then are connected to it, yeah. like, you know, because you are this archetype or this class, you get X. And then as you level up because of your class, you get X, you know, that's the very, yeah. yeah codified mechanics of classes which i so. like in a lot of ways like one of my struggles with storytelling games was coming up with good challenges later in the game mm. because people would start pumping their experience into fleshing out their abilities yep and what went from a group that had one or two powers that were you know kind of butch mm -hmm. now was a group that had 10 or 15 groups that were crazy butch yeah. Um, we're still talking alignment here. Jeff popped in to point out um, an attribute role to go against your alignment, such as sanity. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I'm not against it. I think sanity, however, in the game space has been taken up by the Call of Cthulhu crowd <laughs> to have a very particular meaning. Um, I might say something like a willpower stat yeah. that represents your ability to kind of like push against perceptions, yeah. um, maybe tie it as a wisdom or charisma ability. So uh, one of my suggestions to, to go into okay. maybe a further, a further addition kind of ties into this. It's the traits um, from Pendragon and they are opposed. I know I've talked about this before, but it's such a good bit um, that it really works. M m they'd have to be changed up for different settings or scenarios, but for medieval, um, it's really, cause it's like chaste and lustful and worldly and religious. And, you know, they're opposed traits and together they equal 20, right? So if you are, uh, um, very boastful, very boastful uh, individual, and you have seventeen, then your uh, you would only have three in humble, and those are the stats then that you had that you can um, that that you roll when you need to be humble or chaste or valorous or whatever. That's your stat. So, and when you get to fifteen or above in that system, you are renowned throughout the realm for your for your uh, stat. So if, if you're a 17 suspicious, like Sir Ralph was, Rolf with an O, uh, Sir Rolf was, I, I loved playing this character. He was an NPC and I loved playing him because he had a 17 suspicious. And so everything, everybody and everything you bet, don't trust you. I don't trust you. Don't I've trust heard you. of you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And so people are like, don't say anything around Sir Rolf, because, you know, he will tell the king he's suspicious of everyone. And, uh, um, no, I, th I think there's room for that. And I think, yeah. I think the thing that worries me personally about the alignment stuff, and alignment, I think, I think alignment is probably more controversial mm. in Dungeons and Dragons circles than any other single topic. Right. Uh, just thinking back over the, the decades of playing, 
it has always been like the the the, the conversation has always been mm-hmm. about alignments. Um, is that when we codify it too much, it becomes a way of of putting players on guardrails. And so I'm a big fan of avoiding those and letting people develop the character they feel they want to develop and using like, I get the using mechanics to kind of keep them honest. Right. But I also want to be careful. We don't create systems or encourage systems where that keeping somebody honest uh, makes them leave, leave the table going, well, I thought it'd be really neat if my character had done this, but I didn't roll high enough on my willpower to do that. So I had to do this other thing, and that's that's what's uh, again in uh, in Pendragon. They never take the agency away from you. You can always go no, nope, that's not it. And you will you'll lose a point to one and add a point to another if the situation calls for it. And in some situations, you can lose up to like a d six of of something uh, one Dang. way or the other. Well, like, you know, I mean, if you were, if you were chaste and honest and whatnot, and then you murder someone and then lie to the king about it. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I can see there's some fallout from that. <laughs> so it, but it never takes the agency away from the, from the players. And that's, that, that, that's kind of cool. I, I liked it. Um, I don't think D&D necessarily needs it that, that broken down because, D and D is more of a fantasy thing, and and this is obviously, uh, you know, in in King Arthur's time, it works really well. But it does work for some other games that have more uh, realism. I guess they're not as fantasy, where people act like, you know, people are in a very homogenous society and they act X. You know, it, it it works well for that if you have that kind of thing going on. So, yeah, so I prefer kind of like you're saying a, a shifting morality situation where, like I said, I would put it over in biffs or something so that you can, you know, you get you get a bonus for playing to it. Um, particularly like you said, if it's it should be like a bigger reward if you do it and it uh, it negatively affects the rest of your of your party members. So that works. Yeah, that works. Um, Dante's back again. Uh, see, D and D reflect the spectrum exactly, mm. and we were we were talking about that earlier. The idea that you can people can can have moments where they lean lawful because it's it's logical for the character at the time. Yep. Um, and again, I, I often go back to the the arguments of alignment is best when it's a descriptor like hair color mm. and works worst when it's something that gives you abilities or limits your actions like character right. class can. Yeah, it should, I don't think it should ever limit. You, you should, it should be a big moment. Like the end of the movie seven, <laughs> you know, What's in the box? What's in the box? I mean, that is a huge, huge character moment, and and you're like, oh my god, is it? You know, is he gonna is he gonna abandon all he believes in for this? You know, that's huge, and it and it in in if you don't have those those situations or those those descriptors, like you're saying, the character growth isn't necessarily there. Uh, you know, because you're like. Uh, yeah, uh, I can. Uh, that's why I, I've always hated the 
the chaotic neutral of the past where it's like, man, I could do whatever I want, you know? <laughs> well, that's what I love about playing with Lenarius is, yeah. is she took chaotic neutral because she saw herself as someone that really isn't good or evil mm-hmm. and tends to kind of like follow her whims mm-hmm. and isn't like, doesn't really believe in a hard set, follow the rules all the time. She's kind of the other side of it. The what's, what's right in the moment. Yep. Now, that doesn't mean she's chaotic stupid. Right. And I actually kind of talked to her about it. So monks aren't generally chaotic. So let's first let's figure yeah. out how you're a chaotic monk. <laughs> like, how does that happen? <laughs> um, right. Uh, let's see. Class is not important. Definitely need that. Yes. And you know what would be neat, I think? Um, I would like to see them do more of with the... Because Crimson brings in that certain classes like paladins, clerics, and warlocks have a lot tied to their faith or they're packed. Um, I think I would like to see personally, if they're going to go that route, play up that patron a little Mm -hmm. bit more without making me sift through pages of deities. Yeah. Like give me some better rules that we can all agree on about expectations from the deities more than just, you need to stay within your alignment. So uh, a a paladin of hospitality that like yeah. RJ is playing in, in the Wednesday game, which we're yeah. going to continue next Wednesday. Um, like give me five things he is expected to do as a devotee of the God of hospitality and give me five things he is forbidden from doing. Yeah. And then make it very general. Like don't give them, don't give them a bunch of names or give them like names like, Mm-hmm. Um, or examples from all the different worlds that we've played with so that guys like me who love to homebrew mm-hmm. uh, the lore can go, okay, yeah, we're going to grab the god of the sea and we're going to call him call him Bill because mm-hmm. that's what I want to do with my gods in this world. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think that's the kind of thing too. And I also think that with faiths, we tend to fix, like we want to have that limit a little bit. Yeah. They don't know their tenets or core beliefs. And you, yep. Yep, I'm down with that. That was <laughs> my Sunday night game. We had a guy mm. roll, uh, RJ, amazing guy, great player, um, never played a tabletop game before. Mm. And so he's clicking through the bottoms, like, oh, Paladin sounds good. <laughs> and it's like, he didn't have a god when we started. and Because I didn't I didn't know he was new to yeah, D&D. Yeah. So right. I just assumed he'd kind of come up with one we'd learn about as we played. Yeah. We get like four sessions in, and it's like, oh, our paladin hasn't really talked about their god much. Mm. Crap. Hmm. And it worked out great because they I knew they were headed to Ravenloft eventually. And right. so I, I, I had the 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 avatar of Ravenkind mm. reach out to him as as his <laughs> patron. And he became a paladin of Ravenkind, which is technically a godless faith. Right. It's a like it's almost like a warlock and it's a pact. That's not right. a warlock, it's a um I don't know. I guess it's that a, does sound, a modern it's, paladin. Yeah, yeah. That's a well, and 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 they've even said, you know, in D and D five e, you can just be a paladin of faith. Yeah, you, know, you just have faith in me. I have the faith in good people. I have the faith in whatever you know. And then everyone's a hero in their own, own, own way. way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and you and mostly me <laughs> and you. Um. Oh. But um, 
Yeah. So, hammer. Um, <laughs> also, the hammer is my... No. no. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, going on. That's um, the only line that keeps me from really pushing the English department from pulling that out when yeah. they teach Shakespearean tragedies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is a Shakespearean tragedy. Yes, it's so beautiful. Hot take. Eldritch Ooh. Knight should be in a warlock subclass. Not opposed. Yeah. yeah. Um, something else. Let, let's completely, let's get off alignment for a while. Uh, okay. There's something else right. that's been All bugging right. me. Sure. And it's a thing from fourth edition that I want to have come back. Oh, okay. And that is everybody has something cool to do on every combat turn besides basic attack. Uh, I've been, yeah. I've been playing a lot of Celasta. So I've been playing mm. a lot of turns of combat. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think about the games I run, I don't get through that many encounters per rest, usually. Right. So it's very rare for my players to be locked into... Yeah, everyone's like, yes! <laughs> um, it's very rare for my players to be locked into, uh-oh, we're out of spell slots. Or, mm-hmm. hmm, we better not use any major spells this combat. Right. Uh, but playing Salas, I'm like, there are some fights where I'm like, I'm just going to muscle through this and just hit everything with basic attacks mm-hmm. and my fighters shine mm. because they're just you know blazing away and my clear is over here going and bonk yeah exactly bonk 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 yeah bonk, and it but... like the one thing i really dug about fourth edition is you had lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff to pick from that all sounded really cool even if it was still kind of like not <laughs> yeah yeah it, it the again a uh a lot of you know people out there you know who uh, the guys who have the big D shows um <laughs> a like lot us. of them like, yeah yeah of course um <laughs> have have said you know and 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 i agree with them options more options the more options you have the better in certain things if they were written into the 80 pages of combat rules that we already have but they're more options for everybody yes you know cries in cleric main yep <laughs>, laughs in spiritual weapon yep mm-hmm. well and the the mvp of salasta is spirit guardians Oh, that, that thing is just, it is just, it, it's a third level spell that's better than the fourth level spell of the Phantom Guardian. Yeah, the, the, uh, I'm just, I'm saying, I played uh, Out of the Abyss, and I was a Dwarven Cleric, and I had the buzzsaw of death going, like, every combat. That just, like, you got that buzzsaw around you, and you just wander through, yep. shredding everything. I, I actually had a, a debuff-based defender on City of Heroes with Whirlwind. Mm. And it was like, okay, I'm going to pop my Whirlwind, and nothing, mm. anything within 20 feet of me on any side <laughs> could not, could not hit anything. Exactly. Um. It was one of my favorite things to do. AoE damage that counts as d- difficult terrain. Amen. Um, mm. But but it's just like, I really, I, I understand the spell slot system. I know where it comes from. 
I don't know if D&D is ready to go back to fourth right. and abandon the spell slots. Yeah. But I feel like one of the things I would really like to see, I did say City of Heroes, um, <laughs> many, many, many hours on City of Heroes. Um, yeah. Many great characters on City of Heroes. The Kill Kelly Kid remains one of my favorite characters mm. ever created in any context. Um, she was a, 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 a an exchange student from well, Kill Kelly Ireland, who who also had powers, um, and got called the, the Shamrock officially. I see. Um, that I was see. the name that everyone else called her. But if she ever asked her her name, she's on the Kill Kelly Kid. Mm. Well, we're gonna call you the Shamrock now. It fits in better around here. <laughs> yeah, but that's not my name. That's not my moniker. Um. <laughs> exactly. Um, spell slots are pros and cons. I think they're really limited. You know my, you know it's my back. My sons and I still play. You know it's oh yes, I've seen they've rebooted it. Oh nice. Um, indeed, yes. Thank you, Jeff, for <laughs> reminding us to get back on topic. Um, but I think I think about games like uh, Shadowrun. Is one that I've spent a lot of energy talking about. Um, the magic system is one where you can keep doing magic all the time. And there are mechanics to go, okay, you're starting to push what your body can handle. Right. And I get that's kind of how spell slots work. But then we have to have more cantrips with bite. Right. To balance that. So that at no time do I ever kind of go, meh. Well, I I did enjoy the cantrips, you know, a lot of them automatically jump up when, you know, as you go up in level. And it 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 does in my every campaign I've run, they seem to to go along well enough that 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 as they get bigger, that's about the damage that they should be, you know, for for where you're going. Um yeah. Uh, some games, some games like um, uh, Zweihander, um, Warhammer Fantasy Battles, uh, that those kind of role play games, their magic is based on well, you, magic is chaotic and weird. So if you fail, bad things could happen. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think I want that for D anD. I think I do right. like the. I am a wizard. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. I am a cleric. This is what I do. I like that. Yeah. But I would, I'd almost rather see something like if you, you get to a certain point, um, you start to maybe take hit point damage mm -hmm. or some other kind of mechanic to say, you're starting to push the envelope for what you can do. Right. It's time to slow down for a bit. And what was cool with the encounter in daily powers in fourth, you knew Every fight, you had something awesome to pop mm -hmm. that was a matter of timing it. Right. The dailies were the, like, the oh crap button or the, this is the <laughs> perfect moment. Pop it. Right. Um, use your daily now. You're never going to get another chance to do this kind of thing. Right, right. Um, but that encounter power, so I'd like to see them bring back a bit. Right. Uh Non-lethal damage that can knock you out, levels of exhaustion, stuff like that. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. kind of where I'm thinking. I also think I wouldn't mind seeing them look, take a closer look at hit points mm -hmm. and reconsider something with them that doesn't get too bogged down in the rules. Mm -hmm. 
because that's the other twist with um with hit points if you start doing things like at half hit points you start taking these damage penalties mm -hmm. or these attack penalties you start to you're adding mechanics right and what we i what i like about fifth i don't know about you gray is it's mm. it's smoothness yeah yep I mean, I have always, and this is, this could be a long hit point conversation, but, um, you, I, I have done a lot of combat and hence I, I enjoy describing the combat and making it very visceral and, and stuff. And, um, but, uh, you know, if your body is taking so much damage, it's it, you have to kind of think of hit points as as a weird exhaustion as as your willpower as your your verve you know as it were and and you eventually you just can't fight anymore <laughs> you know um i think that's probably a, a a better way to think of hit points because if you think of it as just i mean how you can take psychic damage and it takes off of your hit points. So it can't just be body. It has to be all of you, you know, your essence, as it were. Um, no, I'm not. Are you familiar with the Genesis system? Edge yeah. Empire, Force, and Destiny? Yep, yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, um, so uh, again, a, I would like to see... Uh, in in D and D, uh, something I've always had problems with. Okay, I am down to one hit point, and I can still hit as hard as I've always hit. I can still cast as well as I've always casted. I've, but like you're saying, then you add, then you're adding mechanics to it. So I I don't know. It it, it combat takes too long. It just takes too long in D and D, and that is is a big big problem. Or or so. it's not depending. Oh. And here's the twist: okay. there is a, a sizable chunk. I I won't give it a number, but there is a population within D and D that they see everything else as how do we get to the next forty by forty room with some mm -hmm. monsters in it? Because yeah. it's going to be fun to figure out how to beat them. Right, and right, I don't right. want to take that away from them either, because I think they have as much right to be part of D and D as everybody else does. Um, yeah, war gamers, and you know what? That's I mean, I'm even pitched it as a possibility for tomorrow night, because uh, my because we we're not gonna have a D and D game because one of our two of our players are absent now, um, and I kind of pitched the well, how about y'all just make characters of of given level? I'll pick monster of appropriate CR. Let's just, right. let's just let's sit around, drink, and see what happens. Because um, it can be fun, you yep. know, to throw dice uh, and see how it turns out. We did a one-shot on Damn It Barry's channel where everyone, no one had ever played high level except me. And then they were like, well, why don't you DM and we'll all make like 15th level characters. One monster, <laughs> three four 15th level characters, three and a half, almost four hours of combat. Because it was in a lair, they were fighting a kraken, and it was just crazy. It was just insane. But it's D&D, so it's, you know, you're playing with those big numbers. And, and like I said, it was one combat, four hours, and I pulled away from stuff in the combat because it was, it was when we were only supposed to be three hours. And... <laughs> 
it just kept going. Okay. Yeah. Let me, before we take the suggestion from Crimson about, um, and I acknowledge Dante's comment about being, about liking short combat, but being guilty of analysis paralysis. Mm. Uh, that's legit. Um, yes. Before we take this thing about the other classes, let me pitch this at you. What if we did this? You you have your hit point total. At hit point zero, mm-hmm. you are now open to lethal damage. Mm. The next hit, you're done. Yeah. And then if you go to negative, and, and as far as you get to zero, the exception is if you pass zero by more than your con score. Yeah. Then you're still dead. But the idea that it kind of like plays a bit more into the idea where it is that wearing of down, you're, you're, you're like exposing the enemy. Right. And so in theory, there's no one shots unless you really hit them hard, right. um, which you could still have. But for the most part, you have that like, okay, we've had our combat crap. Now it's serious. It opens up some doors for them to go, oh, oh I'm going to take a knee. I'll, I'll I'll bend the knee now. I'm just gonna I'm gonna put my drop to a knee, put my 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 weapon up, because it's like okay, I'm gonna die if I keep this fight going. Yeah, yeah. It it is. Uh, you know, it you you red book. You hit zero. You're done. You know there were mechanics along the way. There's uh you know where it's oh to negative ten hit points. Uh. You know, oh, half your, if you take more than half your hit points in a single blow, it's system shock roll, and you have to roll to see if, yep, to see if you're, you know, if you just collapse. Um, You know, there's been mechanics and there's been stuff in it. It, it's, it's the, the old cartoon, my, my, in a dragon magazine, if ever I find it again, there's a barbarian and he's just peppered with arrows. He's tied to a tree and he's just peppered with arrows. And there's like three soldiers there with long bows and a sergeant who's got a tally sheet. And he's like, no, he's still got like 22 hit points, you know? <laughs> and then, shit, shit, shit. So it, it's, it's really, it really depends on what you want to play. I, I have a buddy who um, is like, I play D&D to not, to not be me. I play D&D to be a superhero, you know, a fantasy hero. What I'm going to say and what I've always said to him is, is if you're, if you're unbeatable, well, where's the fun in that? If oh, yeah. You, if you're not risking something, are you really a hero? You know, it's, it, when Superman shows up, and I know I've said this before, when Superman shows up at a bank robbery and the bank robber goes, bang! <laughs> I mean, Superman's not really much of a hero because nothing there can hurt him. You know, if if anything, he has to treat everything around him like eggshells because he's going to break everything he touches if he doesn't be careful. You know, true, true. So, well, part of, part of my thinking, though, is I would also open up the door to redefine hit points better. Because now it becomes, oh, you want to cast the fifth level spell? Go for it. That's going to be 5d4 hit points damage. Mm-hmm. You could totally do it. Because yeah. as long as the wizard is holding back from actual physical combat, that's mm-hmm. what their hit points are for. Yep. It's to go into casting their spells. And yeah, if you run up behind a wizard who just popped off two fireballs, he might be exposed. He might be too tired to defend himself. You can stick him. But that also, I mean, maybe that's too radical of a shift for D&D. Yeah, I think at this point, uh, it has become 
because of the reason that there is the you know zero hit points you're down saving throws is because too many times in the past the players didn't have as much ability to control their fate yeah um and so one thing you could add is you could add that uh you know your inspiration gives you the ability to go i pass that save <laughs> you know or i can wait 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 i'm going to use a uh inspiration and re-roll that death save thank you very much <laughs> you know use use inspiration as re-rolls uh kind of like the lucky feet or something along those lines um yeah so that that it's it's a weird weird quandary because if if you level up and it's the thing that's part of the level system as you level up you got more and more hit points more and more you're more and more of a superhero so okay. by the time you're like 10th to 12th level you are world changing individuals you should be the type of people who run countries and and you know build strongholds or build churches and and you're you're powerful individuals by the time you're 15th to 20 level you you should have you know the watchtower <laughs> you know floating floating you know up in the flagistan this 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 you know uh, keep you've built out of nothing that's in space that is you know black basalt floating there and or a sky city or something um because those are individuals who are or beyond you know people they are they are the superheroes of the world um i don't know that's just always been my feel for it that works that works um crimson also put out a couple minutes ago we've been kind of pinning mm-hmm. it let's take that off the board um mm-hmm. Subclass more subclasses and prestige classes. Mm. Um, I think that that that's kind of what killed three five. Is it pushed it into that that uh, that bloat mm. that 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 uh, somebody mentioned it earlier? I think the paralysis, the the uh, too uh, many choices, too many choices. Because I remember. Being in Pathfinder society, and you know when people would be like, "Okay, I want to make a new character," and you're like, "Oh well." <laughs> what prestige <laughs> class do you want to set yourself up to get? Yeah, and you need to plan that now because this just goes. You have to take the right everything to get to be that that thing. You know, um, where. Uh, coming up with new subclasses and things keeps things fresh. Um, I think that I think that that that's always going to be there. That was one of the things we said would never go away. But I think uh, if you had a skill-based system, then you wouldn't you wouldn't have to worry about that. You could you could get away from that because you could just be like, oh, I want that superpower. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, I, well, I think too the the ease with which I mean the subclass versus prestige class, I think they could work as long as you also remember that players players don't have infinite knowledge usually, and and the big thing I'd be worried about is that um, a player has that sense of regret 
And too many DMs go, well, yeah, you should, I guess you have to reroll your character. Like, let's, if we're going to go the prestige class route, let's mm-hmm. codify the character re- retcon. Yeah. Or the, the but we're calling, not calling it retcon, call it the retraining. Right. Where it's like, okay, yeah, if you had wanted to be an arcane trickster, you really needed to have this, and you didn't. So here are some suggestions for yeah. appropriate quest lines that that player can go down to get those prerequisites in exchange right. for other things. Yeah. Well, because then what you get, or what I've seen in the past, is players being like, well, then I'll, I'll just get a new character. I'll just start a new character. Can I start at seventh level that we're at? Because I wanted to be, I want to be this now. And instead of, you know, well, we've got all this history with this character. So I want all those social interactions and all the cool, look at the magic items I got, you know, Uh, I want to keep those, but eh, I want to be a warlock now. In fact, now that I, I, yeah, things like that ability, like coming up with, with some rewrite quests, I think it would be a really neat thing to add into the rules where it's like for the, for the real diehards. Yeah. You want to go from a warlock to a sorcerer, we can do it. Yeah. But you have to survive four <laughs> CR blank right, right, um, right. <laughs> encounters, minimum. Yeah. And then we can like figure out later, like, each DM can go, okay, this is going to be a really awesome quest line. And some are going to be like, okay, Saturday, Gray wants to re-roll his character, so we're going to run the re-roll quests. Right. And then boom, you've done it. Yep. And and I think that kind of stuff is where we need more pages of the rule book and less pages on grappling. Right. Right, right. Yep. That's what I would do with yeah. it. That's yeah. what I would do with it. Um but yeah, and that two main choices. I do I do totally feel that point though that you brought up of the okay, where do you where do you see yourself in ten levels? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. How am I gonna know? You know, and and what I've seen in the the few campaigns that I've I've watched over the past like yeah five years or whatever is when people people go along and then they change their they want to change their character um, they'll they'll add a multi class and then you're like okay but now when you get to be like fifteenth or sixteenth level. Oh, I spent those four levels monkeying around with Warlock. Now I can't reach the top level with my Barbarian, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that I think that's the kind of thing that my last thing I would add is better codification of good storytelling practices and good table engagement. Yeah. Like explain to people, put in writing the things that we talk about, like on the show here that we've learned over the years that never seem to get in the rule book in a way people read. Right. It's always lost in these really dense treaties on role playing. But things like, you know, your your players aren't going to know at level one what they want to look like at level 10. So yep. either you write your prestige classes where they don't have a lot of prerequisites Mm-hmm. Or you acknowledge that players are going to find out after the fact that they don't have the prerequisites, but still want something. How do yep. we set it up? Yeah, I mean, and and I'm I'm perfectly fine with you know the 
I'll, I'll call it this, the magic girl transformation. You know, you're, you're going along, you're playing a, a certain type of barbarian. Tasha's uh, cauldron of everything comes out. And you're like, oh, this is so sweet. Well, ooh, look, you're, you know, your barbarian now is this kind of barbarian. You know, the costume changes, and and yeah, you're now you're an immortal uh, barbarian, or you're, you know, you're no longer a, a totem barbarian. You know, I, I just I just think that it, it's fine to do, you know, maybe do it in story. Be like you you go off and you commune with the spirits. And you realize that your ancestors, you know, your your ancestors come to you, and now you're an echo, you know, fighter, or echo barbarian, or whatever it was. Uh, uh, I'm using examples that I've seen uh, indoor adventure do when new books come out. A lot of times, he'll let players do some retconning with their stuff so that they can show the new the new things that are happening in D and D, so people can change it up. And it's really been nice to see how he you know, is able to like introduce a new, a new switch to it where, okay, you were this kind of barbarian. Well, we'll write it in the story that, like I just said, your ancestors come to you and, you know, you commune with them and no, now you're this kind of barbarian. Um, and, and I, I don't have too much problem with that. Um, I think that, uh, that, you know, if you're going to keep people at the table, do what you got to do. <laughs> Amen to that. You uh, want people to have fun, so, you know, switch it up. We've come around the 6 o'clock mark, so nope. we have to wrap up the show. Um, but right. we always we always end with what's been going on in the past week and what we got coming up in the coming week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kick the degree to go first. What's coming up this coming week? Since it sounds like last week was nuts for you. Yeah, What's I coming did, up dude. this week that you wanna, you, you're geeked about? Oh, yeah, it was work crazy the last couple weeks. So uh, this week, coming up for me, Thursday, I'll be over at Indoor Adventures at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. And we will be uh, hitting our Monster Noir using the City of Mist system. Um, That system is very nice because it... You don't have hit points. You don't have things. You just have statuses. So if you fall off a building, you, you know, blam, broken ribs. You just write broken ribs. And then Mm -hmm. any role that broken ribs might affect, you know, it has a number, and that's how much plus or minus that that it affects it. Um, But, but yeah, so City of Mists on on then, and then the next thing would be Sunday morning back with Wild Myth, uh, Wilder Myth uh, on my channel where we will play with all kinds of fun toys for each character. Um, and that's Sunday, Eastern Standard Time on Greybeard Tavern on Twitch. Slick. Slick. Yeah, Wild Mist, I've watched some of that, and that was pretty... If I wasn't so deep in Solasta, I'd be playing that right now, probably. <laughs> but I gotta finish Solasta. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, I've, I'm just too hooked. Um, in fact, I'm kind of hoping my my family flakes on me tonight, and we skip our family D and D, so I can <laughs> I can go play some more of that. Um, but tonight's supposed to be our family D and D night. We're playing through Dragon Heist. Mm-hmm. Um, so and we didn't play last week, so we'll see if this week works out. Um, and then Saturday this coming week. We have our uh, our monthly game of Candlekeep gets together. Mm-hmm. They're gonna they're gonna finish Shemshine's bedtime rhyme. 
and probably take a little longer than usual for it. And I think we're just going to do a weekly one, a monthly one shot. So we'll, um, we'll meet less often, meet a bit long because one of our players is in Sweden. Oh, that's so we right, have to right. we have to watch her schedule. Right, right. Uh, so we've been able to kind of make that work. And then Sunday, we're continuing with Curse of Straw. This last week was a little rough. I haven't gotten the VOD posted to YouTube yet, but if you watch, I'm going to admit the first two hours are a little, little draggy because they were, they were trying desperately to find something to do besides yeah. go to Ravenloft. Oh. <laughs> like, they've, they've done everything. They're like, this is it. We've, we've collected the MacGuffins. Yeah. We have to go. There's only thing, one thing left, and it's probably in the castle. I guess we got to go. And it took like two hours to drag them by the nose across the drawbridge. And now they're like, now they're in it. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and way too trusting. And that's a little bit on me. A little bit on me. I was a little bit of a bad DM. That happens. Well, because he spotted a suit of full plate mail. He went, does it fit me? I thought, he's a human paladin. Strahd was a human. Yeah. Sure, mm. it fits. Yeah, and he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna put it on." I'm like, mm. "Okay, you're gonna start." And plate mail, I know plate mail. Plate mail takes like thirty minutes to get into, and and I'm like, "Okay, well, I guess you start putting it on." <laughs> and then, gift of gifts, Frederick goes, "Does anyone in this group know how to put on plate mail?" Because no one's like ever had plate mail in this group, and I'm right. thinking, well, you know, as Techie's got he's got proficiency. He's familiar with it, but you know you're not wrong. Yeah, this is confusing. Like what goes where? So I enter, <laughs> so in walks this this servant who's got you know her. She's got this big bushy red hair that's all pulled tight, you know, in a ponytail that kind of poofs like a halo mm -hmm. around her head out of it. Mm -hmm. And and Lottie, what do you be doing there? You cannot just be be slapping things on left and right and willy and nilly. No, like strip down to your skivvies. Let's do this right. <laughs> and 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 he's like okay. <laughs> and and then he's like, she's like, okay, no, 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 walk across the room. Let me see you walking in it, so I can see that it fits right. You give me his shield. He doesn't need to be walking about with his shield like that. And you know, the he the fighter rolls his wisdom save and misses it. Right. Like okay, you're gonna go get that shield though, and you're gonna walk <laughs> back outside of that aura of super non charmy protection. Uh, and no, then you're gonna no. give, then you're gonna give the girl the holy item of holy symbol of Ravenkind off the shield. Oh no! And and they're like, what? And the yeah. wizard goes, I dive for like you grab it. Mm. And then the woman reveals herself to actually be Strahd polymorphed. Oh no! And then he he pulls it free of your hand. Opposed strength check. She rolled really well. I was really shocked. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then he disappears in mist with it. <sighs> And I felt a little guilty because at one point Frederick goes, I want to roll an insight check. Mm. Boom. Well, that's a good insight check. Mm -hmm. Is she being honest? And I said, she sincerely wants to see Azteki correctly wear this armor. Yes. And that was the truth. Yes. She also wanted him distracted so she could rob him. <laughs> because oh, Strahd's not an idiot. So painful, but so good. Yeah. Which don't I relay the story? I might retcon that as one of his vampire minions did that. Mm. It feels a little weird having Strahd be that circumspect. Right, right. So I know it's going to come back to haunt him. Yeah. And it was right at yeah, the end yeah. of the session. But now they're like, oh crap, we got to go get it now. So now they're back on the hunt for the MacGuffin. Mm. 
I do have my Grognard game coming up that is not uh, that is not uh, broadcast or streamed, but but, but it's uh, it's it's amazing because again, but between all of us, we probably got a hundred years of of gaming under our belts. And uh, last time they they had this great uh, reunion between the, this multi multi billion trillion gazillionaire scientist and their his daughter that he had saved and they were reunited and then the captain like warp drive them out of there like away from the corporation so basically they've pseudo kidnapped <laughs> this this gazillionaire basically they grabbed a, a nice guy jeff bezos and and ran off with him so now they're going to be chased by you know megacorps and the rest of the universe for kidnapping i just i love them so much but you you never know what they're going to do you those, never know those so. are the best groups if you've been listening mm -hmm. to us on the podcast thank you so much for downloading we love having you here if you if you consider it that you've enjoyed the show or if you have enjoyed this one but you enjoyed previous shows or you're just a kind person uh, maybe leave us a review on whatever platform you downloaded us off of those reviews help other people find the stream of uh, this podcast and kind of help get the word out that we're doing the thing go ahead gray sponsors sponsors absolutely um i was getting there uh, okay. We All are right. partnered. Well, it doesn't hurt to remind me that the gray is <laughs> this gray is real. Um, it's not just painted on for for cool looks. Because let's be honest, it does look fabulous <laughs> indeed. Um, but we are a part of the Inverse Genius Network of podcasts and content creators. Uh, so if you check out inversegenius.com, you'll find all kinds of great content creators there, covering board games, role playing games, and everything in between. Um, we are also sponsored by Sweet Steam, SweetSteam.com, which is an amazing steampunk inspired chocolate company. And I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but if you use the code Steam Noir at checkout, you get 5% off your order. So you get amazing chocolates with steampunk themes. Uh, I happen to have in front of me a a Butterbeard, uh, oh. which is a effervescent butterscotch flavored chocolate. Um, I know. Um, and they do ship, uh, and they will ship during the summer with ice, so your chocolate does not melt in transit. So uh, Steam Noir would be a great code to use there. And it lets them know that you heard about them through us. Uh, until the, Aside from all of that, thank you for the download. And we will catch all of you next week. Uh, belly to the bar for another happy hour. Happy Hour at the Old Timer Tavern is a proud part of the Inverse Genius Network of Content. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. They give valuable feedback for the hosts and help others find this amazing content.